Hey everyone, welcome to Wake Dad, Drink Repeat, the podcast that defines today's dad. I'm Anthony Palmer. And I'm Michael Smith Palmer. I have a sincere question for you. Lay it on me. Why, like honestly, why is it when Miley Cyrus is naked and licks a hammer, it's considered both art and music? But when I do that shit, I'm considered wasted and I'm asked to leave Home Depot. Tell me. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know how to respond to that. Tell I don't, me. I don't even know what... <laughs> Asking for a friend. I was not where I expected you to go with your uh, <laughs> with your, your thought provoking question at the top of the episode. <laughs> so, how you so doing, buddy? You. Mm-hmm. Good, how you man, doing, you? man? Doing well. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing. We are uh, sitting here on a uh, Sunday morning, getting our episode buttoned up. Our guest this week was Drew Holcomb. Drew's a singer songwriter. He's a dad to three. Uh, this was a really great conversation we got to have. Um, gosh, I guess a couple weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, it was, I'm, I'm excited to get into this, but before we do, like I said, we're drinking coffee. What are you sipping on over there? Mm, you're right, sir. Coffee, coffee. And we just buy, we just buy a lot of coffee and I never know what it is <laughs> and I don't care. So my morning coffee is what I'm on, bud. And yourself? There you go. I, I am, uh, sticking with our Vienna coffee, the front porch roast like we do. It's, uh, I knew. it's good stuff. I, I knew you would be. It's good stuff. It's well, good stuff. coffee cheers to you, buddy. Cheers, man. Hey, so um, guys, like we said, we uh, spoke with Drew Holcomb this week. Um, like I said, Drew's a singer-songwriter. He and his wife, Ellie, um, she actually used to be in their band, but they had to do this really cool Christmas concert every year, and Drew talks about it a little bit in the episode, um, but I wanted to say something at the top. You can actually go to their website, and we'll have that link in our show notes, and you can rent the Drew and Ellie Holcomb neighborly Christmas special and watch it with your family, and it is absolutely worth doing you rent it i think it, you can keep it through like the beginning of january um i own it on vinyl but i'm looking forward to sitting down with the kids uh and the wife this week and watching it one night because uh, it's it's the little bit i've seen from it it's awesome it's just a fun little yep. way to celebrate the holidays this year good art and more importantly to support artists during this bananas time so they're able to put that content together and deliver it for us so uh, let's make sure we take advantage of it it is one of the silver linings of this whole covid thing we talk about it some in the episode but just being able to take these super talented artists and musicians that you don't always get to see because you can't travel can't get a ticket whatever and beam them into your living room man Ah, yeah good and a little Good Easter stuff. egg for you. This is legitimately, hands down, my favorite Today's Dad definition. Mm. I'm saying it on air and outwardly. <laughs> so I'm sorry to everybody else that thought they were on the top. This is this <coughs> is my favorite, and I'm overly stoked to add it to our Rick House, man. Um, I agree. If we can so, please ask. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you do, shoot us a DM and an email. And guess what? We're going to send you some Wake Dad Drink Repeat swag. That's amazing. Um, you know, you probably shot us in the foot from having Miley Cyrus leave us a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Honestly, if it's a one-star from her, that's cool, too. Um, For guys, anybody, who's and- new to the, anybody who's new to the show, one thing we also ask is that, uh, you know, you please share this with a fellow dad who you think might find the conversation interesting. It definitely helps us to keep our podcast going. And we are also a independently run podcast, guys. If you like what you're hearing and you'd like to support the show, please consider supporting one of our affiliate partners. We're going to talk about a couple of them right now. Um, And you can see a full list of our partners at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. And when we get back, our conversation with Mr. Drew Holcomb. Let's talk about honey. I love Love honey. Love it. 
Honey helps me find the internet's best discount codes while I'm shopping. Everybody shops online and it makes sure that nobody overpays. And as the house spouse, you know we all do a ton of online shopping, my friend. I bet you buy a lot of bread mix online. I just get the <laughs> kind of like pre-made that's, bread mix vibe. From that's me. who you pin me for? <laughs> Dude, I can't even begin to tell you how much money I've saved since I started using Honey. Like, literally, just the other day, I was ordering some really great shirts and pants from Piranha, and I saved, like, 15 bucks when I was checking out. It was fantastic. It's incredible, man, and it's all automatic. It it all pops up. Um, I have them on. I've installed it on all my computers, on all of our phones. It's it's incredible. Just the other day, I was telling you that I actually got a $10 gift card for using Honey. Uh, They have a program for Honey Gold, and whenever you get 1,000 Honey Points, you get free gift cards on top of the savings. Um, It's bananas, dude. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. Now, like, my goal is to get more Honey Gold gift cards than you. But good, good luck, anyways. my friend. What you get to do is you get to shop like normal, um, and whenever you're ready to check out, Honey will instantly find and apply the internet's best codes directly to your shopping cart, and it's 100% free. Yeah. So head on over to our episode show notes. You can find that link in our description, uh, and then click on the link for Honey and literally start saving today. It's that easy. Sounds sweet. Like Honey. <laughs> Man, we have been talking about a kid's book about a ton on the podcast lately, and I think it's because we've just been having a lot of really meaningful but also tough conversations with our kids lately. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. Um, And actually, um, Kids Book About was 10 of their books were selected as um, Oprah's favorite things for 2020. Um, Awesome for two reasons, man. One, it's amazing recognition for a kid's book about. And two, it's very validating for for the march and the mission that they are on of making kids' books that matter. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Dude, recently I just ordered um, a kid's book about fem- feminism, a kid's book about empathy, and I pre-ordered the, a kid's book about technology for Anderson because really those are some pretty central conversations that we're having in the Palmer household right now. And I, I appreciate how a kid's book about takes – to those tough conversations makes it digestible for our kids, but also engaging from a parent to be able to read it with our kids and have those like touch points to be able to just talk about, like you said, those meaningful conversations. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Think about uh, all the way back to Jelani's first book that he wrote, Kids Book About Racism. Yeah. Have a, yeah, about death, about belonging, about um, anxiety. They, they really towed into some impactful conversations that are important, man. They're important right now. Yeah, you're totally right. So guys, you can head to our website or this week's show notes and you can find a link to learn more and purchase any of A Kid's Book About today. You got it, man. Thank you to Jelani and uh, his entire team at A Kid's Book About for making kids books that matter. Get you a book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we will jump right in. We are joined today by Drew Holcomb. Drew is a husband, a dad of three. He's a musician and an owner of Sweetens Cove Whiskey. Drew, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, we uh, had all intentions of me trying to make a road trip over to Nashville to do this in person, but uh, I pulled the plug because of uh, all things COVID in the world right now. So uh, I hate that yeah. we're not doing it in person, man, but we're, we're still glad we get to sit and sit and chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited to hang with you guys. I guess probably before we do your today's dad definition, Mike, we should probably give a shout out to our buddy Scott Stallings for uh, helping to, to connect us with Drew. Um, so. Indeed, man. Small world. <laughs> Just genuine Tennessee vibes right there, you know? Well, exactly, for sure, man. 
for sure. Exactly. He's right. invited me to work out with him a few times, but after watching the no laying up guys barfing in the thing, I was like, every time he's asked me, I'm like, oh man, I've got a thing. <laughs> Super busy. <laughs> I've got, I've got anything going on. I got something. <laughs> Give me something. Somebody, anybody. <laughs> somebody. Somebody. All right. Well, we'll jump right in here, Drew. We are the show that defines today's dad here at Wake Dad Drink Repeat. So we would love to hear your definition of a today's dad. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, as a typical songwriter, I sort of wrote mine out instead of um, just sort of off the cuff. So uh, here we go. It's sort of a, it's short and sweet, but here we go. Uh, Today's dad is the captain of imagination, Jedi of the heart, mentor of the mind, chief investment officer at the memory bank, the ninja of discipline, teller of tall tales he has ears to hear them eyes to see them and is a mystic to the mysteries of their hearts he's a doer of the dishes the first to change the last to quit makes plan b seem like plan a he's the keeper of the flame and the passer of the torch oh dude my cheeks are hurting right now. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, so fantastic. Thank you for writing that down um, uh, in verse terms. Um, that's great, man. That's epic. Yeah. I'm cool. so it, it, was good. Fun to, it was fun to think about it. You know, I was like, it's a, it's a great question. Um, it's a good thing to sort of spend a, spend a few moments putting it to paper. Yeah, man. As Mike knows, I always I type out I try to type out the definitions as our guests are saying them. So Mike and I have it to stare at as we talk. And I was super upset that I was having to type the whole time because I was I feel like it took away from me. Real I missed half I'll of it, it because you. I was yeah, you'll you'll have to, man. That was um that was awesome. That was that awesome. deserves to be a song. Um please make that a song for yourself. That's worth it, man. That's fun. <laughs> Let's see what I can Mike, do. That's a shameless ass there, Mike. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, man, like evolve on that. Like, um, that's clearly you're an amazing songwriter. But um, where was your mind when you wrote all this out? Um, you touched on a lot of emotions whenever you wrote all this out um, and kind of tasks and obligations. But like, what was that process for you just coming up with that definition? Um, you know, it, it was actually pretty fun. I was just thinking about sort of the many hats that you wear as a dad um you know it's interesting thinking about the idea of today's dad versus just be what does it mean to be a dad you know and and so the question is sort of like how has it evolved and in some ways i think it has definitely evolved um i see most of my peers who are dads really taking a, a, a a much more proactive role in the parenting of their children than than their parents generation did um, and some of that is just like the cultural reality of, you know, working moms and, but also I think it's like a, like a philosophical shift, um, uh, in culture towards like a more op- open, vulnerable, um, you know, shame-free counseling, positive, uh, environment where yeah. men are more in touch with, um, you know, the, the emotions in their, in their life and in their heart. And so that, that sort of translates into how we raise our kids. And so, but at the same time, I think there's also this, just like, I still think that there's a little bit of like, um, you know, dad is sort of the damn the torpedoes role, you know, 
in the in the in at least in our family that's that's it you know ellie is all about having fun and doing fun things but i i sort of am the instigator of both <laughs> the, the both both like road trips and you know adventures but also like um you know discipline and things like that and I liked what Eric Baker said about like the bumpers. I, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, right. Right. We're like, we're doing our best to like sort of create the widest path possible for our kids to sort of figure out how they were made and what they want to do and who they are. And, but then also like guardrail a little bit, sort of like, Hey, you went out of bounds there, you know, you yeah. went out of bounds. Yeah, come yeah. on back. Yeah. <laughs> come on back. Yep. Stay, stay on the, on the path, you know, the, the wide path, but you, you kind of need to like, keep them on the path that's um, even, also, even, even that, one further with with the bowling was like the fact that it was going toward a direction right it was still going toward yeah. the pin there was there there was a goal there there was a there there was a, a place of being at the other end of it um, which was cool it was it was really weird how many different tangents you can go off with the bowling analogy <laughs> it was pretty yeah that's point. right <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah i like that but I, you know i, I think I, I have a very um healthy and, and solid relationship with my dad. And he, um, he was a little ahead of his time. I mean, even most of my peers would tell you that their dads have never apologized to them, you know, and, um, for anything. Um, and, and that was not my experience growing up. I mean, it, it, it was when I was, when I was pretty young, but then once I got to like young adulthood, um, you know, we led a pretty vulnerable household. And so, today's dad a lot of what i sort of carry with me i've actually learned from my dad and, and my father-in-law so um i see some pretty pretty good connections with i see a lot of bridges i should say yeah not, not necessarily That's just cool. like total changes which i think makes it e- like because i i feel the same way about my relationship with my dad um which makes it a lot easier um but it also is one of those things that see this is the fun part about doing a podcast during the day is the children running around <laughs> right. in the background. We all we all have kids. Um, That's right. Is um even though even though it it makes it easier to have that foundation, you still understand the gap. Like you still know that there's room to 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 grow and to evolve. Still, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. So it's kind of that idea of how to keep the how to keep the throttle down and keep keep moving forward. Do you know? Yeah, sure. uh, do you know Eric Baker? You know, we've, we've sort of, uh, like ships in the night a lot over the years in Knoxville. I mean, when I, when I was a student, he was, um, he was in this duo called Matt and Eric that would play all the like kind of bars and fraternity things. And so yeah, he's, he's a couple of years older than me. And so I would, you know, I saw him play a bunch and then I heard that he was doing like a, an artist career at the same time that I was. And yeah, we, we, we've sort of bumped into each other, but we don't really know each other, you know? But it was just funny. The reason I was wondering is because I feel like you guys, I mean, and clearly there's a lot of similarities between, you know, the beard and playing music, but, but it just, your guys' definitions as, as I think singer songwriters, they both had that real poetic vibe to them. Um, that's why we, that's why we get paid the big bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so man, you guys, uh, you, you and Ellie and, and for, we should say for those who don't, don't know you know your your wife ellie is a extremely talented singer songwriter musician in and of herself um and was in the band with you guys for a a number of years in the beginning right and then yeah seven years Mm -hmm. okay and then kind of 
shifted or put that put that aside to start kind of raising your all's three kids is that is that track yeah i mean it was just one at the time but yeah yeah um, <laughs> bam three kids uh, yeah bam triplets no so we um we were touring and and our daughter emmy lou was on the road with us the whole first year of her life and but, but about halfway through that year we were like this is this is not really working you know um it was just too hard like you know, having a six month old, like in a car seat for like five hours, four days a week, is like not real ideal. Um, yeah. we were, and we were not in a place at the time where we could like afford a tour bus, you know? So, um, yeah, she got off the road and she was also re- spending a lot of time writing her own music at the time. And, and it was very different than what we do as a band. So it was clear that there was like a sort of professional sort of divergence of paths. And then also she really just wanted to be home more as a mom. Um, now she does travel she does shows. Um, and then we do some together as well. We do a yeah. tour every February, um, with the whole family. So, um, the, the, the paths still intertwine quite a bit, but, but that was a big major shift. And then, and then we had two more kids over the next six years. I love your family dynamic. It's so, the the fact that you and your wife get to play the Americana singer songwriter world, it's perfection to me. Like it really is, oh, man. And it's thanks. so cool and rare that you guys get to share that passion and love on on the same stage of I don't want to say legitimacy or accomplishment or whatever. Like you, you guys are like very parallel in and just your abilities and track and just voice. And it's kind of like a unison package. It's very wild that you two exist as a couple, right? Um, yeah, just, for sure. Just because of like, she's your, the female version of you is how it appears to me. Um, I'm sure there's differences. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're definitely but it's you know, awesome to see, man. We both have very similar sort of creative, uh, um, philosophies, I guess, you know, um, but we're also like completely different people. We're, we're kind of in some ways that sort of opposites attract in terms of personality. Um, that makes a good, you know, cause there's like, there's a, there's just such a good sort of puzzle match that has happened with us. Um, that, that makes it work. You know, we, we kind of laugh because the first, uh, seven years we were married, we were together pretty much 24 seven. So we, I want, this is like how my brain works. I like did the math on what the average and the data on what the average, like how much time the average couple spends together. And so after seven years, we had been married the equivalent of like 42 years. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> In terms That's of good. like wake, waking hours spent together. <laughs> so we, That's you know, we learned a in lot. In the deep end stress years. test. That's right. Yeah, That's, yeah. Right. That's right. That's so, good. Yeah, we, we did our SEAL training young. <laughs> i think the rest of america is living that this year with uh, COVID. yeah yes guys, they're all catching they're all catching up of course we're doing <laughs> everything to it yeah it it reminds me a lot of um i'm a huge jason isbell fan and like of him and amanda shires and just that ability to both be your own independent musicians but then when you kind of combine together you know the the just how fluid it is, you know, and, and to be able to, my wife, my wife and I talk about it all the time, like how much we would love. And I think we'd be really good at it to do something together. Um, yeah. I think that's a, 
a dream that probably not every couple, but a lot of couples do have is to be able to I think professionally so, <coughs> be able to do something with one another. And yeah, um, it's cool to see kind of like Mike was saying, it's cool to see you guys. And I, and I, I think there's a reason it's so rare. Um, as far as I know, I've seen you all do it. I've seen Jason Isbell do it like where, you, where it becomes a family thing where you have your, your kids involved in it and you're, you don't lose sight of the parenting piece. You don't lose sight of the family piece and it, it all just kind of blends together. That, that balance had to take some, some practice and some work to get there. I would imagine. Oh right? yeah. I mean, yeah, it does take practice, you know, it's all, it's like an on an ongoing, um, an ongoing thing. I mean, yeah, we, th- there's another couple, Abner and Amanda from the band called Johnny swim that they, they do it really well as well. They have three kids and they, they have their kids on the road with them and they're like a, an official duo. So they're always creating together, which is even harder. Whereas Ellie and I sort of have our, our, our separate lanes that we can kind of run in. Like when I tour with the band, she's not usually with us. And then when she's touring her music, you know, I'm not usually with her, but we, you know, sometimes I'll take Huck, our second kid out for a week on the road. And sometimes she'll take Emmy Lou for a long weekend, pull her out of school on Thursday afternoon. And so there's just a lot of like, we kind of have, it's like that, that's that whole thing I said about make, making plan B feel like plan A. Yeah. Like, like Plan A is going to get wrecked in our life just because of all the moving pieces, <laughs> moving pieces. It's worth so, having. You need yeah, a placeholder up at the top. Yeah, that's right. You gotta have like a, this is my idea of what this is going to look like. Um and so Ellie, I'll give her most of the credit there. She just has like complete supreme flexibility. She's just like, you know, whatever life's gonna throw you a lot of curveballs every day and just kind of make it work. So um, that's been, that's, uh, you know, uh, that plus my sort of dogged determination is a good combo because yeah, we end up getting, getting there somehow. It's not usually the route we chose, but we, we end up there. That's cool. What do you think? Two, two parts, probably your hope and then maybe the reality of it, but like, what do you hope your kids take away from this? To me, this is incredibly cool life journey for your kids. Um, how, yeah. do you th- how, how do you think they receive it? Um, and then how do, like, how do you hope <laughs> it's being received? Um, yeah, yeah. It's a great question. I think, um, you know, one thing I, I, I enjoyed, I lived, I, I grew up uh, five doors down the street from my grandfather. And uh, he was a mostly retired surgeon by the time we moved down the street from him he was in his uh, i guess he would have been in his like mid 70s um but he like loved to fish loved to hunt he was a taxidermist sort of as a hobby so he had this garage that he turned into this taxidermy place um and so i would go down the street and hang out with him and while he's doing taxidermy or he'd take me fishing or he'd love to play golf and so there was sort of this mentality of like um adults are going to live their lives and you're invited to come along if you can keep up, you know? And so my, my youth was full of adventure that was very much not centered around me, um, which was really healthy. I thought it, at yeah. least it, it seemed healthy for me. Um, and so, and that was true, not just my grandfather, but also my, my parents had that mentality as well. Um, and so I think for me, what I, what I hope to instill in my kids is like, um, two things. One, like confidence that they're really loved and that they have a, always have a seat at the table, 
but then independence to know when it's time to like get up and go do their own thing and, and sort of figure out what their table is going to be. And so I think when they, when we bring them on the road with us and they have to kind of share us, you know, like mm-hmm. we try to make time every day to go do something with just them when we're on the road. But then there's also times when it's like, Hey, we have to go do the meet and greet now. And you're going to go with the babysitter and y'all are going to, you know, hang out on the bus or go eat Chick-fil-A or whatever it is, you know, and so, <laughs> Chick-fil-A like at the so, top four. Well, for them, it is. Yeah, for, Chick-fil-A always is, man. Well, come on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like easy, you, you get the win as a parent when you uh, pull that card, right? Like uh, we're oh, having Chick-fil-A sure. today. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So yeah, I think that that's like, I want them to feel like, um, it kind of goes back honestly to the, I, I take a similar view of like, parenting to just like the like marriage in the sense that when I was trying to date Ellie um she kind of gave me this big like um not now no thanks kind of moment and uh it really was at the time it was really irritating and frustrating because I felt like I'd kind of earned the right to like make make a step forward in our relationship and so my dad gave me this advice he was like you know instead of like being desperate for her and coming off desperate or like walking away, which were the two thoughts I was having at the time, he's like, why don't you just go live your life and live a life that she wants to be a part of? Um, and so I did. So I just started pretty doing my own thing. Solid advice. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, solid. So, advice. Now the key yeah, is she so just I, has I, to notice it. <laughs> yeah, no. And she did, she did, which was great because we were, we were close. So she, she was, she was, was interacting with me and we had a lot of the same friends. And so I was starting to, play shows at the time i had a job at a studio i also long story was like i'd gotten my pilot's license in college and so i was flying a lot and so she'd call me you know or whatever be like hey what are you doing like i can't talk right now i'm going flying you know she'd be like that sounds fun you know um so the the idea with my kids is the same way that like having them just be the center of, of my attention i think is sort of disappointing for them because no, it's too much pressure for people to be like yeah. the end all be yeah. all. Yeah. And so, you know, my, I'm, I'm personally a little better at just like inviting my kids into my world. I'm not as good. And I'd like to get better at like going into their world. Um, the older they get, the better I get at it. Um, but I was never like great at like just sitting and playing trains for like 45 minutes, you know, it's just <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've, I've done it many, many times, but it's not my, not my bent. So, that's a like a kind of an interesting balance of that yeah. confidence independence thing that there's know. a pretty fierce wisdom in that though too man <laughs> um there really is there's there's a lot of truths that can come out of that and being a role model it just just kind of a a different way of focusing on yourself um to make sure that it's good for you as a self care level but you marching the right path to put you on a better path through yourself and just by happenstance, because you're keeping that lens of um, you wanting that path to be seen by your dependents, by your kids. So it's, it's, it's kind of a a wicked sneaky way of, um, of uh, going about it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love my favorite thing with my daughter. She's the oldest, she's a real curious mind. So she's always asking things. And so Anytime I'm doing something, I just try to explain every step while I'm doing it. And that's really been fun. Like, you know, even if it's just like how to get from our house to the Home Depot, you know, like explaining north, south, east and west, which is a lost art, apparently. Right. Um, You know, (laughs) but just like I I enjoy like 
Because then it makes you, like you were saying, it makes you ask yourself, well, why do I do it that way? Maybe, I sh- maybe I'm not doing it the right way. Sure, yeah. sure. You know? sure. <laughs> it's funny. I also think it's a good, I think that's a good approach with, you know, I think it's easy for our kids nowadays in today's culture and everything to truly feel like the world does revolve around them. You know, and I think there's mm-hmm. a, <clears throat> there's a really important lesson to learn there that yeah. it doesn't. Like it doesn't, there's not a singular, um, guys, I'm sorry. I've got something in the back of my throat. Um, I heard, um, I don't know if you guys heard this, but I think it was on, it was like right before the election, Joe Biden was given this speech and he was talking about how, I'm sure he said this before, but how his dad would tell him, um, you know, Joey, nobody's, nobody's better than you, but you're not better than anyone. And like, I love I really loved that line because it's like, it, it is this total, yeah. like, I'm going to build you up because you are unique. You are special. You are you, but that does not make you any more unique or special than anybody else on the face of the earth, you know? And that's yeah, uh, fantastic. <coughs> I really, I really loved that line. Um, and I think for that's someone great. like him, it you can see how that really has molded and affected him as a human being to where he is today. But I, I thought that was such a profound, and it's easy. It's digestible as a kid to, I think, to say that to your kid of, yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm gonna carry that one. Yeah, like you're the best. <coughs> you're the best. Nobody's better, better than, than you. anybody else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. <Yeah. laughs> Why does everybody yeah. talk in circles? <laughs> you really screwed me up when you said this confusing line to me one time. <laughs> I have spent I have spent my whole life trying to figure out what it means. <laughs> That's funny. Drew, man, um, sh- shifting to today, man, um, yeah, musicians, uh, g- let's go with gig artists. It's bigger than musicians in the world of COVID. Everybody's trying to play um, clever. Everybody's trying to play to their strengths. Everybody's trying to rework and remold their art to still to still be able to talk to their audience base and still have that connection. Um, what, what have you, what's been your ups and downs with, uh, this world? Yeah. I mean, the spring was so brutal for me. Um, you know, like music basically just got completely shut down. I mean, we had a, a year of great touring on the books, playing festivals all over the country and all over Europe. And basically there was sort of a waves of cancellations. Like the first wave was basically anything in March, April, May, June got canceled. And then, you know, come late May, it's like, Oh yeah. June, July, August, September. Everybody canceled. would yeah. hold on to that two months later, yeah. two months Wait, later. So like two months later. Yeah. So like there was a new grief every like eight to 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, and so we had to really pivot because, I mean, touring is probably 80% of our business model. Um, and it's not even really a business model. It's just like that's what you do as an artist. Sure, you know? sure. So we, um, yeah, we had to sort of reinvent the wheel. We're still reinventing the wheel. I mean, um, now because now it's same thing. We're having to basically realize that Q1 of you know 2021 is going to have no touring. So. Um, we've done all sorts of stuff. We did this thing called kitchen covers for the first 45 days of stay at Which, home. Dude, I have to say that was, there was a lot of digital stuff that people were putting out of, you know, living room sessions or, you know, in their attics yeah. or whatever. I freaking loved 
that because it was so, and again, it goes kind of to, I think what makes singer songwriters and that Americana E thing. So special about music. Y'all you're almost better standing in your kitchen with just your wife and an acoustic <laughs> guitar than you. And I don't, and I don't mean that in an offensive way, but like it just, the, the rawness, the realness, the intimacy of the music of your, of like, you see that passion and that soul that you guys have. And God, those, I, I loved every single one of those covers you guys did, man. They were so good. Oh, thanks, man. It was, uh, it was fun. It was, it was honestly quite a challenge as well. I, uh, you know, people thought I was just like, Oh, you're just getting the guitar and playing in the kitchen. I'm like, man, some of these songs, I'm like woodshedding for like two or three hours <laughs> beforehand. And then there were also like probably like six or seven of those songs that like we had done for years. And those were like on nights where it was just like, I don't have the energy right now. It's like, Oh, well, we've been doing Tom Petty's learning to fly for years. Let's just throw that one out there tonight. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and honestly too, there was just like, it was a great time for me to, I wasn't able, really able to create much in that time on my own, like writing wise. I just, um, I love touring. I love being on stage. It's sort of my motivating factor for writing songs is that audience connection thing that happens at a live show. And so to have that sort of pulled out from underneath me was pretty, um, um, demotivating for creating myself. And so, uh, the kitchen covers was a great way to sort of keep, keep the fire burning for me. Um, yeah, your it was version a, it was a of uh, your version of America and um, Jesus, etc. The Wilco song. I mean, I, those were those were just they were all really good. But those two, and I love those songs. But like yeah, I was say, just, you, you and I have similar tastes in music. Sounds like oh man, that 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 was. Uh, I probably I like approached Creeper level of hitting <laughs> on, the, on the America and song. That like America, I mean, that song. I, it was. I wore that one out, man. <laughs> that one was the most satisfying one to do because it is like Paul Simon's like guitar playing and writing is so absurd. Like he just goes to these chords and you're like, what is that chord? I'm going to, I don't understand how to get there. And, uh, but then, you know, lyrically that song is so wonderfully sad and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one, um, the, the, our show music, um, a, a good buddy of Mike and I's um, it's actually a song, like a, it's a full song, but we just, you know, kind of stripped the, the audio or the, um, the music out of it. And um, he's a singer songwriter here in Knoxville, Tennessee. His name's Jordan Burris and Jordan's just incredibly talented musician. Um, and for the 4th of July, he did a live show and he, he, I think he opened it on, on his Facebook channel with, with America. And it was like, and it came out, didn't you? I think you did that right around the same time that your cover of it around the same time, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because I think I, w- I got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this one. I want to listen to this. <laughs> like, it, just, it was good stuff. I'm, my rant is now officially over on that song. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. How are you guys? I, I was curious, as a, like from the dad standpoint, like, were you guys, was that like late night when kids were asleep, you guys hammering those out? Or was it like, yeah. uh, yeah, we would do like two or three of them um, at a time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like it'd be like a Tuesday or whatever. They all, all the days sort of felt the same. We were right. all doing safer at home. But, um, 
Yeah, we would knock out like two or three at a time and change outfits and change guitars. <laughs> in between. Which, when I say outfits, I would just put on a different shirt. And a different yeah, right. <laughs> Ellie had to really, you know, change sometimes. So, um, yeah, but I mean, honestly, the first probably twelve days we did them just like at night after the yeah after the kids went down. There's nothing else to do. Everybody's like, we've been watching so many shows on this thing, and I'm like. We have not been watching any shows because our kids go to bed and then we do kitchen covers for two hours. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, do you think there's any, I, I think COVID has changed many industries, accelerated many industries. Do you think there's anything that will latch on or as seen as a, a fun opportunity for the music industry? Um, or is it just chomping to get at the bit back to live shows? Is there any is there well, any keepers um, of what, yeah, is, so what has I, happened? Yeah, that's a good question. I do think that in general, the majority of what I've seen in the music business has been primarily devastation. I mean, there are, you know, there are companies that put on music festivals that usually have eighty people on staff that are now down to four and five people. I mean, oh sure, sure. Um, the the venues that. <clears throat> that operate are empty. And so their lighting teams and their audio teams and their ticketing people and everything are finding other jobs. I mean, the, once we get the green light and let's say based on what we're reading that the vaccines and everything, let's say at the earliest it's, let's call it May. Um, it's not, it's not just like you can flip a switch, you know, it's, everybody's yeah. got to restaff. They've got to figure yeah. out, you know, um, which venues are opening and how they're structuring deals and how the, you know, the economics of it are going to work going forward. So I do think that the music business in general is going to take, I don't know, another year at least to get like back to what is considered somewhat normal. Um, and there will be a lot of growing pains with that. Now, that being said, there will be things from this that uh, have that will have long-term sort of a long-term role in the music business. I think the the live streaming thing now is like we were talking about, like, you know, if you have a tour now and let's say you go to 30 cities, well, you still skipped 80 cities, you know? And so sure. the last, I'd say the last show of the tour now, you're going to bring in a film crew and a live stream setup, and you're going to sell online tickets to the last show of the tour to all the people in the Spokane's and Tucson's or wherever you didn't go, um, you know, or people who came to the show in Boston, you know, want to give it another go and watch the, watch the, watch the show one more time. And and then that show might live online for a month and that could, that could create some long-term, you know, extra line of business. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I mean, I, I think that live streaming has been really cool. I do think that there's generally been a lot of fatigue with it now, like in the fall. Now, with the winter coming and everybody basically going to have to kind of lay low again, it might resurge with the same sort of energy. Um, it certainly has been great for us. Um, made a lot of new fans, um, have been able to keep our band on on salary because of the kitchen covers and because of and the vinyl we did there and then also with the live shows we did this fall so the live stream shows so i'm grateful for those things but at the end of the day the, the business model we had is far superior to the COVID of business model <laughs> so, nobody nobody needs to write that down on a balance sheet to figure out uh, what makes the most sense i said yeah. with, do you uh, feel like the flip side of 
what I said earlier about the like the intimacy element is has that been a hard change? Like, do you feel like the division that I feel like a lot of artists are able to put up of like this is work, this is home? Like, mm-hmm. has that bleed over been a challenge to kind of be more open? It probably depends on who you're talking to. I mean, you know, I've always been like the guy with the guitar. So it's not like, yeah, there's like a lot of, you know, pyro and tracks and crazy lights or anything. You know, I have another, uh, a close. It'd be a weird combo, it? man. It would be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2021, <laughs> like Q3, you just went straight do. pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Side project. Um, so, so Drew Holcomb in the pyros. Right. There are other artists though that like that that model doesn't really musically work for them. You know, I mean they can they can do it. They can sit there and play their songs and guitar. But you know, if you're like a real fun big you know sort of pop rock band or what dance band or you know soul band, like you know I love like for instance St. Paul and the Broken Bones, yeah, great fun band. But that's a live band, you know. Like yeah, I don't like I don't know how they pull off a nine piece thing like. People are like jamming in their living room, you know. Uh, yeah, I think they've done it, and I think it's gone well as well for them. But I, I think the preference, whereas with me, there might be some more like, oh, this is kind of cool, it's unique. Like I love these songs, and to see them just like stripped down to their bare ingredients is kind of a a cool, unique thing, you know. So I'm sure, like, like the live stream shows we did, doing like a record from top to bottom, you know, that's something we wouldn't do on the road. Um, probably you know so i think stuff like that will may may continue to happen and it's been sort of a, a cool creative uh uh exercise yeah <laughs> exercise yeah thank you we that's said a nice with, word for it <laughs> we, we, we said it we said it with uh i said it whenever we talked to eric baker but like i i hope this is a hope not a what i think really probably but i i really hope that every musician that is leaning into these sessions, it will become more of like, I really hope that it will become in two decades from now, it will be the, the hidden songs, the hidden albums, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the secret sessions, the call it whatever, um, fun era of music. I really hope that we are able to, hold on to it and not forget about it. And for artists, many of them, it's a, to get them through, but I hope that it comes back and pays in spades just almost as a nostalgic piece, because hopefully we don't have to dabble back here in this kind of world, um, in a long time. So that's my hope for it, man. Um, and, and I think, I hope that, um, it won't be a one and done. I really hope for many musicians, it'll be a, um, it'll percolate throughout the years. Um, and they'll be, they'll be glad that they did it for many unknown reasons right now that they wouldn't imagine of. Um, that's what I hope, man, because it, it is still art, man. And it's a different level of art that, uh, hopefully that, uh, becomes nostalgic at a certain point in time. Yeah, I think you're right. I, ho- I hope you're right. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Likewise. So staying on the, uh, on the music front for one more question here. Um, you've, you've, a lot of your songs definitely have that real personal vibe and whatever to them. So I'm, I've been super curious since we've linked up with you. What's your, uh, what's your favorite song that you've written kind of as a, about being a dad about fatherhood? Um, probably a song called see the world. 
which is off of uh, <clears throat> off of Dragons. It's a song I wrote about. Um, or a song I wrote about Huck, our our second child. He's he's uh, he's our first boy. Um, he is just like the sweetest, most tender-hearted kid. He's very different from me. And um, I think before I had a son, I thought that I would like. I had a son. We would like be. I would like. He would be just like me, and we'd go, you know, do all these things, and I'd show him how to be like me. And it's kind of been the opposite thing has happened, where it's like I'm becoming more like him because I'm like watching him and how he's how he's made, and 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 I'm like, oh man, I, I need more of like your point of view, you know, your <laughs> your your speed, you know, your style. Um, so the song's about him and it's, you know, there's even line like, uh, um, there's a unique chemistry you carry in your genes, your own memories, you'll make your own noise, sing with your own voice. And it's kind of that, I, you know, that song is definitely about fatherhood. It's about, well, it's about parenthood. It's, it's not limited to a father's point of view, but this idea that, you know, you really only have your kids like for a season, you know, you, most people live to be like 85, 90 years old. And you're each kid, you have them for like 18, 19 years. The first two of them, you don't really remember. And then by the time they're 16 or 17, you know, they're, they're like kind of doing doing their own thing. So you really have your kids for like 14 years. Yeah. Where that we're like, you're the primary influence in their life. Um, you and their mom and, and then, you know, everybody kind of in that circle. So, uh, there's a melancholy to that song for me of like, oh, I can't wait to watch you see the world with your own eyes, but also like, golly, it's like, it's going to be gone really quick. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's like, you kind of have to watch a little bit from a distance. Um, so that's, that, that's definitely my most obviously like, this is my song about being a parent. You know, it's a great song. And, um, <clears throat> I love the, I think it, one of the first lines in it, you, you, you you sing about uh shell silverstein and i think it like that's really you know i mean because that's such a crutch of so many of our kids and a lot of our own yeah. childhoods but um i actually i really love the version on the live at the tennessee theater album that just came out um it's oh, a really cool. great yeah. it's a really great version of it but um it's a it's a it's a I was kind of selfishly i was kind of hoping that was going to be your answer because i think it's a really <laughs> it's a it's just a really great song as a like you said it's as a parent, but especially as a dad, I think it's a real, I really related to it as a dad listening to it. Um, yeah. I always like to try to make a few dads cry in the audience, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's You've probably man. done it with that one. <laughs> Drew, man, you were able to um, not uh, kind of make, make some lemonade this year um, with, with your, with your project with Tennessee vacation, right? Um, it yeah. was, it was from, from three nights at the Ryman that got had to be cashed this year, and it gets turned into a um, a large road trip around the state. Getting able to document it, being able to write some music with your wife, being able to take your family on a incredibly intimate trip, and what we all really want to do is live in an airstream. Like um, <laughs> how how was uh, how was living in the Silver Bullet, man? Man, it was cool. Uh, you know, there was like you know, the, the, the sausage getting made is a little different than, you know, what, what actually, <laughs> what it actually looked like. I mean, you know, 
I'd say best case scenario in an Airstream is you like find a cool spot and you park it and you like use it as like your home base to go explore around. I don't recommend like resetting your Airstream every night for seven days and doing 1600 miles and, 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 you know, uh, in six days, um, the concept means, of backpacking, but with an Airstream, um, it's just yeah, a lot of work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it was really fun and we got to see some really amazing things and the state, you know, department of tourism put put the whole thing together as their idea and asked us to sort of be the face of it, obviously. Um, and you know, I think the coolest part was there's sort of two things happening at once. One was I was getting to show my family like things that I loved that they had not seen before, like Shelby Farms in Memphis, um, you know, Smokies, et cetera. But then simultaneously on the trip, we did a lot of things together as a family that even though I'm from here and Ellie's from here, it was our first time to see and experience. That's cool. You know, so getting to like experience something cool. for the first time with your kids who are experiencing it for the first time, that's like a little different than... I'm going to show my, these kids my favorite spot. Yeah. You know, so having someone else plan this trip for us sort of made that happen a bunch. I think otherwise we would have sort of chosen all the things that we already know, know and love. Um, but it, it was, uh, it was really cool. It was a lot of hard work. Um, cause we were filming a lot as well, but it, honestly it was incredible. And now we've got these like songs and we've got these videos that we can kind of carry on. They're almost like little home videos. Um, yeah. and obviously like, Grew up in Memphis, went to school in Knoxville, live in Nashville, like love the state of Tennessee, want the state of Tennessee to thrive. And, uh, you know, we basically spent the entire trip outside doing like sort of COVID safe activities. And there's a lot of that to do. So um, it was a really cool trip. What a neat thing cool. for your kids um, to yeah, have absolutely. as they grow older and everything i mean just a, it's a, a road trip is a unique memory in and of itself but most of us don't have people actually documenting it for us right so what a cool <laughs> yeah. what a cool thing they'll get to they'll get to have um forever you know yeah, really yeah. and thankfully i was we were nervous about that part of it because you know as sort of like quasi celebrity people um you know i mean we're not like celebrities but we do get recognized pretty often and people come to our shows and this and that but we didn't, we were kind of nervous about the idea of like putting our kids in front of the camera. Yeah. I mean, they're used to like being on Instagram, but that's different. Um, but the crew was just, they're like the sweetest, most thoughtful, like family oriented people. And so that made it, made it really special. That's cool. Hey, so along those lines of your all's, you know, fame, celebrity, whatever you want to call it. Um, this has been an interesting, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast here a little bit. It's been an interesting year of people's ability to kind of hide behind their, their computers and throw daggers at people and express their opinions and whatnot. But, um, you recently put up a post with a, a beautiful bottle of bourbon <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I forget exactly what you said, but you, you caught some flack, man, over people kind of expressing their disappointment in you in choosing to say what you said about politics in this country. And you didn't even, you really didn't even say anything. You just kind of made a reference to things. And I felt like you handled it. It was, it was interesting to watch from this side. Um, I felt like you handled it really well for whatever that's worth of just kind of like, Hey, I'm entitled to think what I want to think, just like you're entitled to think what you want to think. You just don't have to be an ass about it. Like you don't have to attack me for my stance. And, um, 
how do you guys, I'm sure that probably isn't the first time you've had something like that happen, but no, how, how do you balance that of your family values, your own personal values, and then having and being wanting to be able to express your opinion on things and, and really just having yeah. that turned up to a 10 because you have more followers, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really tricky. And I think part of it is tricky because I don't have a large following because of my, I'm not, it's not a, like a, I'm not a uh, political commentator right. on social media. Now that said, some people do follow me for my honest sort of take on whatever it is, whether it's politics or family or whatever. Um, so obviously we live in like a really heightened and heated moment. Um, and I've always asked myself the question, you know, when I'm, I was, I was a history major at UT. And so the idea that there were all these things happening in our parents' lifetime and our grandparents' lifetimes, especially that we now look back and go like, wow, how could this, how was this even like a mm-hmm. thing? And I, and I feel like we're at a similar moment. Um, uh, and I find it, I think it's important for me as a public person, but also more than anything, just for my, the state of my own soul and my own personal convictions. Like I can't sit idly by now. I, I, I edit myself like 95% of the time. I mean, you know, so, but, um, good for I you, find, I'm not good at that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I find the current political moment that we're in to be egregiously um, uh, abnormal. And, yeah. um, and I find the, the, you know, the, what I posted was basically like, I'm celebrating that this thing is drawing to an end. Yes. And I, I like, I do think that, um, you know, Joe Biden is a, is a thought he's now he's old and he's a creature of the system and all these kind of things. Like yep. there are plenty of legitimate criticisms about him, but I think he's a good, thoughtful, honest man. Decent human and, being, um, decent human being, and um, I would want him to be like my kid's grandfather, you know. If yep. they didn't already have great, fantastic grandfathers, <laughs> you know, um, I, don't, I don't want to replace. And that was possible. If, if, I, if I was in the market for one, and I needed one, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. But I, I think um, more than anything, regardless of my point of view, like when people come at any celebrity or person who has a, a following. And they say things like shut up and sing or, you know, yeah, you just God. lost me. I, I, you know, I'm not going to re- listen to your music anymore because I posted a bottle of Pappy and said, great night for a celebration or whatever. I said, yeah, something simple. I My point of view is like, if you share something, as long as you're not like attacking someone else, then right. it's like, whoa, what, what's your problem with me having a point of view? Don't let the door hit you on the way out. If that, if you're going to like walk away. And also I'm like, if that's your like litmus test for music, your playlist is gonna suck. Suck because what do you think music right. is? <laughs> yeah. What I mean, yeah, it's it's like it's like, like the it's like the Trump campaign using "Born in the USA," uh, you know, as their anthem, <laughs> as their warm up song, and it's like, do you know what that um, song's about? Have you listened <laughs> like, to the lyrics? Yeah. Have you? Well, I mean, you know, they got they got uh, Kid Rock and um, some country acts, and then yeah. Lee Lee Greenwood. Um, you know, so if that's what they want to listen to, that's great. Um, yeah. but you know, a lot of the good stuff. Um, that's the thing too. I'm like, like, you shouldn't get, you know, people come to music to get, to get away from it all. And I'm like, I don't make music so you can get away from it all. I like actually make music so you can dig a little deeper. Yeah, I was going to say, it pulls you in. Yes. 
Yeah. You know, um, and I'm also like, and if I was making just like straightforward protest music, which I have a few songs like Ring the Bells and Wild World, which are very yeah, sort of yeah. straightforward. Um, but, you know, like, okay, so, so you're going to tell me like Bob Dylan should have shut up and Marvin Gaye should have shut up and, you know, Everyone. all these like, you know, I'm just like, get out, get out of here, you know, so. Um, now I will say like a lot of times people just like want to disagree and have a conversation and I'm all into that. Like, especially on Twitter, that's a great spot for that. I've had great conversations with people about whether it's, you know, whatever gun control or economic tax policy. Like I like that kind of stuff. I'm kind of a nerd. I enjoy, but when people come at me and say, and attack me and whatever, you know, from my point of view in a way that's not really like they're not clearly looking for an honest conversation. And that that's a quick way to get blocked. You, you posted something um, back. I'm trying to see when it was, it was, this says Instagram says it was 24 weeks ago, which I don't do math. Um, so <laughs> however long ago, that was. About six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, where you, you posted a whole bunch of um, you said, here are six strong book recommendations that helped me understand the history that led us to this moment. And it's, and it's, just mercy and the warmth of other sons and between the world and me and sons of Mississippi and blah. Those are the things that I I wonder sometimes you want to, we talk a lot about legacy and what what we leave for our kids and the examples we want to set for our kids and all that. Like there's probably, I'm curious, I guess about the balance of that, of how do you, how do you be who you are? and set the example for your kids but do you do you what do you ever weigh that against the fact that you have a platform do you feel do you feel an obligation to some extent to share that kind of stuff or do you think if you were just drew holcomb and you had 200 followers on instagram and were some desk jockey that you would still post things like that does that is that a fair question i'm I'm a thousand percent confident if i was just some regular joe with 200 i would probably post 10 times more <laughs> you'd be 90 percent, 95 percent unfiltered totally because there'd be yeah. like what are you gonna do you know yeah um <laughs> so i i also think that my music is my primary means of, of, of sort of sharing my mind mm-hmm. and so i don't want my social media to sort of like become the center of attention right. so i i definitely I think I would still post a lot of stuff. I do feel like I have to be more careful and more thoughtful. Now, part of that is because I've also changed a lot. I'm, you know, I'm not the same person I was when I was in college. I'm not the same person I was when I was young there. I'm not the same person I was five years ago. Like I'm evolving, changing, growing, um, learning, repenting, you know, all the things that sort of like, uh, you know, when I post those books, what I'm saying is like, Hey, these books changed my mind because I was curious about someone else's point of view. And I wanted to find out and these books helped me do that. So, um, there's your today's want, definition, ears to hear and eyes to see, man, you gotta, you yeah. gotta be open to it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so I want my kids to say like, man, dad's like, he's still growing, you know, like, well, and I want to be like the guy who's like in his seventies, like, you know, changing my mind, you know, like I want to be like able to be like, what does Drew say a lot? He says, I don't know. Let me find out, you know, and then two, um, well, I changed my mind about that, you know? So, cause like, you know, like for instance, the mask thing, people are like, well, they told us not to wear them in March and now they're telling us to wear them. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because the data. <laughs> we learned in. more. People learn. We learned something. And now. Because time make, happened. And we, and we change our minds. It's like. You know what software sucked at the beginning of the year? Zoom. You know what software is pretty good now? <laughs> Zoom. Zoom. You know why? <laughs> they changed they their mind. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I want my kids to say like, yeah, he's like willing to to change and, and to grow, um, you know, while also sort of like knowing your true North and who you are and, and, yeah. you know, so I, I don't know. I, 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 my manager has a heart attack every time I get like in the weeds on this stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. Cause he, he needs a little more. I lobby, I lobby for you to turn it up to 95% unfiltered, but I, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll, many people on your team uh, would. Well, would yeah, here, so here's a philosophical question that I, that I have for myself, but also for you guys. Like I, I find that people that have it at 95, scare everybody away except for the choir correct correct right? correct correct. you're not you're not so, you're not wel- welcoming a conversation right so if i'm posting like you know the truth about um us going on a trip and how it was great for our family and then i'm posting about how we've got this show coming up and then i post about how much i love this new record that so-and-so put out those are like you know all the things that i care those are also things that i care about so then when I post this book thing or the thing about, you know, celebrating the election being over, you know, it doesn't push people away. It maybe challenges them and they have a little bit of a like fight, but they don't, leave, they don't walk away. They don't leave. And so they maybe like engage the idea. And so I think that friction of like, you know, I don't want to be just a one dimensional, like political celebrity commentator, you know, because it's not all that I think about and do not even remotely, you know, like I've got a golf burner account on Twitter, you know, cause I love golf and I'd love to talk about golf. That, that account is not a place for me to go pick a fight, you know? Right. Um, so, sure. uh, sure. that's a place I, for I me think, to, to post my golf stuff, you know? <laughs> I, I think, I think people are starkly misunderstanding clearly all of social media and the, the, the thought that it's a place to have, meaningful banter back and forth to make progress in the world <laughs> is not the case. Um, it is a place to yeah. self implode and, um, completely be more divisive of our yeah. views. Very it's few like, people take do the, all the got- toned down stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right, man. It, yeah. There's very, there's very little healthy dialogue going yeah. on. Um, on it move um i'm gonna sh- swift shift gears a little bit for for this year man there's so many major pendulum swings right for so many different stances um your, your kid's eldest um is eight so it's, it might be missing the mark a little bit but like are you using this as a large time to talk deep with your kids or is it kind of um not the center of attention on every talk politics, talk COVID, talk whatever major um, point we have going on in this world right now. Are you guys leaning into it with your parenting or kind of uh, steering clear of it? Honestly, you're just kind of following um, their, their curiosity, you know? Yeah. So, uh, um, point. you know, if, if Emmy Lou is like asking me about like the coronavirus and why is this and that, then I kind of lean in. But if it's like, hey, we gotta go to the store, get your mask, and she just like throws it on and we go to the store. Yeah. I'm not like, hey, are you sad that you have to wear a mask at the grocery store? <laughs> you know, sure, sure. Like <laughs> sure. trying not to like trying to do my best not to like plant 
seeds of, of, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Don't ask her what she thinks about the recount in the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, like if Ellie and I are talking in the kitchen about the recount in Pennsylvania, she's like, what are y'all talking about? It's like, okay, well, let's take the time to explain what yeah, absolutely. is going on. Absolutely. So, you know, I think you kids steer are, away from it. you know, but then like midway through it, she's like, mm, I'm going to go color. I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> you know, that's, you can that's color the state Pennsylvania, of Pennsylvania blue. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the only exception to that I would say is that during the summer with um, sort of the post George Floyd um, protests Sorry. and um, that was a really, I felt like a, an opportunity to mm-hmm. <clears throat> wanted to sort of like speak clearly and ar- as articulately as possible to them about our point of view on the moment. And so um, that was, that was one where you kind of like Ellie and I, and part of that was they were curious too. Yep. We kind of leaned into that with our kids um, and wanted them to sort of know what is going on and what it means. And um, yeah, it's just like we live in a really like <clears throat> dynamic and uh, at times scary uh, moment. I think the pandemic has been such an eye opener that uh, nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. You know, like I, I, you know, I, I was a musician through 2008 and the, the great recession or whatever we call that moment. But, um, music kind of was bulletproof because when people are sad and broke, they still listen to music and they're not going to like, they're going to give up something else before they give up their $15 like show, you know, they're going to go see. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's, um, so that been blindsided 2020 has just blindsided everybody like over and over and over again. And it's almost like there's something like else going on in the universe. Cause like, you know, I went on this, my brother got married and I took him on this dirt bike trip in the, in death Valley and like four day, four night deal. And the second day I like had this huge wreck, broke my wrist, had to have surgery, ah, finished, the, finished the trip, uh, rode with a broken wrist, just because it didn't, I didn't know it was broken until I got home. Dang, but, dude. You know, it's just like, man, like 2020, the hits keep coming. <laughs> um, Indeed, man. You're not so, wrong. It, you know, I don't know. You know, hopefully we're just getting it. Hopefully they're like, there's this like Old Testament idea of Jubilee where like after like all these years of, um, of pestilence and famine and all this stuff. And there's like this year of like great harvest and Jubilee. And so I'm just like hoping that that's like what's coming is that there's going to be all of this, like, you know, trial and that we've all, the whole world's been going through is going to somehow we're going to look back on it and be like, but if we hadn't have done that, then whatever, you know, I hope that's the case. I was going to say, do you guys watch uh, John Oliver's show on HBO last week tonight with John I've Oliver? Seen it, I've seen it a bunch of times that not regularly. So I was uh, I was laughing. I think last week was his last one for the year. And in 2000, I think it was 2016. He blew up at the end of the at the end of the show for the season. He had this big like 2016 and like blew it up like full on like pyrotechnics and everything. It was just like, this has just been a shit of a year. Like we're just blowing it up. We're moving on. We're never going to have to do this again. <laughs> and then for 2020, he like does the exact same thing again because <laughs> of how bad 2020 was. And I, I mean, I was, I was, Michelle and I were sitting there watching it. Like had two of the last four years 
a comedian has blown up the year because it's been such a shit year. Like it's crazy that that's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, it so I'm, I'm I'm banking on the jubilee thing with you. I'm just hoping it's next year. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Me too. And maybe for a couple of years after that. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. What scares me is the uh, the 73 million people that uh, are on the other side that aren't saying that we're on the uh, we're on the Jubilee side. Um, yeah. yeah, I hope yeah. I hope we, we got a lot of we got a lot of something to, to unite us. We got a yeah, lot man, of we really to do. do. So we Drew, really talk do. to us about uh, Sweetens Cove whiskey with uh, with uh, Mr. Peyton Manning. That's hard. And uh, that's hard. Pivot to some whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time to switch to whiskey yeah um, so you know how bad of a year it's been I, talk to us about whiskey yeah so um i there's this golf course uh in southeast tennessee kind of near chattanooga called sweetens cove it's a nine hole sort of this like shangri-la you know place that's gotten all this great press and all this kind of stuff but i started going there like i don't know maybe like four years ago when it opened and been there a bunch and then I saw some on some golf Twitter account that Andy Roddick and Peyton Manning and some friends had bought it, you know. And at the time, uh, I actually knew Andy through golf. We had played golf a couple of times, and I had I got a scholarship in college that was endowed by Peyton Manning, and I, so I had met him one time in high school, and had bumped into him one time since, um, and he he knew of there are only a few people got the scholarship. So he knew he kind of kept up with all of us. So he knew about my music, but I didn't have any like direct contact with him. And then sort of out of nowhere, um, I found out that they were going to, they were talking about potentially starting like a whiskey brand out of the sort of out of the golf course. And so Andy calls me and he's like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? We would love to have a musician who's like, who loves golf and who loves whiskey. And uh, that's a small list, you know. <laughs> um, it's actually a pretty big list, but I was going to say um, <laughs> might be might be more people yeah, on that than you think. He really wanted it to be like a Tennessee native, and so, um, yeah. So he called me and kind of told me about it, and you know, obviously it was a, a financial decision as well. And so um, I was really thinking about doing it, and then but I wasn't totally sure. And then Peyton called, and so after that phone call, I was a hundred percent in. You know, pretty easy yes uh, brought the ringer yeah but yeah exactly so um, but that you know it's crazy now because like you know i'm on these calls you know with all the guys making these decisions about the the, the whiskey and this and that it's, we just came out this year and it's going really well again the pandemic like we were planning on having this big you know blowout reveal party in nashville and then one down at the masters and uh both of those obviously got canceled and so we sort of had to launch this bourbon brand in the middle of the pandemic virtually when nobody's going to get, get to bars the cocktail culture is sort of like not happening but um yeah. you know there's not really like a, a hot there what there's not really a high-end tennessee bourbon and that was sort of our goal and uh and it's worked so far so we're excited about it it's um you know, it's only available in Tennessee and Georgia at the time. We just, I think this week, um, our, our sort of second to last batch hits, hits stores. And it's, it's pretty hard to find, even with all the like archaic ABC laws, even the, the investors, we have to go find it in stores. So I have to like, you know, all these people are like, Hey, you going to get me a bottle? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, as soon as I can find one for myself. <laughs> uh, sure. I, mean, I, do, I do have some, but, but I still, I still hunt them like everybody else, which is kind of crazy. That's pretty weird. Yep. 
that's fun, man. That's a fun project. Yeah, it is. It's a fun it project really fun. and a good industry to dabble in as well. Especially during a yeah. pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, people lot, are drinking some bourbon. People there. definitely drink. <laughs> this is, I'm wearing the hat right now, actually. So there you go. That's nice. Oh, nice, dude. That's yeah, nice. Very cool. We we typically are drinking bourbon while we do this, but it's it's you know a little earlier in the day than we normally do this, and yeah. still on the coffee train no, and a Monday. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and a Monday. <laughs> are you going to have? Am I going to be able to have access to it in North Carolina? Are you? Do you guys have uh, North Carolina distribution in, we, in the chamber yet. sometime soon? How close are you to South Carolina? Uh, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. He's closer to us than he is. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say probably you have to look for it when you're when you're in Tennessee, Georgia, and we'll be in South Carolina next year. I mean, I think that's fair. I think North Carolina is one of the more difficult uh, Mm -hmm. markets because because of the sort of um, monopoly of ABC. So um, it it makes it hard. I often drive to Knoxville just to get uh, some of my liquors, so I can just add as long as I can find it. um, I'll just add yours to it, man. I'll find you a bottle, buddy. Good. I'll find you a bottle, and Drew. I'll find you a bottle too if I can if I can find it. Yes, thank that's you. funny. That's funny, man. Um, Palm man, what do you think? You want to roll to some rapid fire questions? Yeah, man. Let's let's do it. Nope, nope. I got one question. Um, usually don't write it down, but uh, I like asking musicians, Drew, man. If it wasn't if it wasn't music, what would your life track be? Um, well, I had two other thoughts when I was in college and high school. One was I wanted to be a, a a pilot in the Marine Corps or the Air Force uh, or the Navy. And so I, ha- I had an appointment to the Naval Academy, ended up deciding not to go because I all of a sudden just realized I was like staring at age 40 when you get out if you're a pilot. And um, but I got that's, that's why I got my pilot's license. So I would I would probably would have that was one real potential uh, option for me. And the second was I wanted to be a history professor. And that was the one I was actually like sort of on track for. Um, cool. So those guys really crush it. So um, that that's would have been cool. interesting. <laughs> yeah, man. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, now, gentlemen, what do we think? Do we want to go to some rapid fire? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Yeah, cool. Drew, are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right, man. As we say, wake, dad, drink, repeat, rapid fire questions. Say the first thing that comes to mind. There are no wrong answers, but don't get it wrong. Do you understand? I got it. All right. Perfect, man. Question number one, drink of choice. Yamazaki 12. Nice. I've never had that Yamazaki whiskey before. I always thought about pulling the trigger on it, but I've never done it. Let's try it. Well, whenever I'm in Tennessee to buy all of my liquor now. um, Yeah, right. We'll we'll buy some bottles. Um, oh, this will be a fun one. Uh, favorite band or musician Wilco. or I go with Wilco. Yeah. I love Wilco. I I want, I want Jeff Tweedy on the pod. Like I just, <laughs> I would love to oh, sit down and talk with that dude. You're, you got to read his, have you read his book? No. Good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Great okay. memoir. I'll have to check that out. Cool. Um, next question for you, Drew. Um, most annoying song, show, or movie that your kids have made you listen to a thousand times over? Oh gosh, they watched this show on YouTube called The Axel Show. 
it's this dad who does Thank like God, all these, I don't know the actual show. Oh, he does like all these adventures with his kids, but he really, it's like a, the whole thing is like a, he's, a, these paid advertisements for the toys that they play with. But uh. they, the camera work is real like GoPro y and like makes me car sick. But then also, like, this dad will make you feel like you're the worst dad in the world because he's like, let's build a treehouse today. And the next day, it's like, let's pretend like we're the CIA and we're trying to find, you know, and you're like, this guy does not have a job. And he's got all this money, all this money from yes, the Yes, he does. Companies. And he's making yeah. more money than all of us. Yes. Yes. He does have a job and it's making me feel shame. It, yeah, right. <laughs> I want to block that guy. That guy in a. Do you know Blippy? Do you know who Blippy is? Uh-uh. No, uh, likewise, just a YouTube star, just You're not a jackass that appeals to kid shows. Um, but like all all that it is, man, is like it just makes parents mad because you know how much money they're making and it's just straight garbage. Um, Such garbage that they yeah. have they've identified this loophole in our world today and they're just exploiting the living hell out of it. Yep. Yeah. Uh well, good. I'll be sure uh to um, avoid proactively uh, block that show before it's even opened up in our household. Yeah. Well, on the, uh, on the train of, uh, of kids toys, next question for you is what is your favorite of your kids toys that you get to play with? Mm. Their YouTube channel. Probably their, their, uh, they've got all those, Eno hammocks that yeah. I steal. Mm. Like the yeah, hammocks. Those, are, those are fun. We have these two big tulip poplar trees in our backyard, so we can put like four of them. Oh, that's awesome and then yeah that's that's my favorite um and then honestly like uh we have a, a a millennium falcon blow up pool float that's big enough for dad that's one of my favorites yeah that nice. sounds great for that's multiple perfect. reasons that sounds great <laughs> that's cool um next question for you the dumbest thing you did as a kid that you hope your kids don't do oh man when i was in like when i was four I was in like Mother's Day. <laughs> digging, digging deep. Yeah. I, I, it was like a playground. They had those like rock pebbles and I started putting them up my nose and I put like six of them into my sinuses and had to get them taken out surgically. Hot damn. So wow. That was that pretty sounds dumb. horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. That's like I said, just, Really horrible. One yeah, that was a dumb thing to do. Let's hope your kids don't do that. I hope. I <laughs> hope your kids. Man, don't okay, do I'll that. give you one more, just so you you know see me as like a seventeen year old. Um, <laughs> we used to go. We used to go buy those um, those big orange cylinders that the how the, the T dot uses to block mm-hmm. off lanes, and yeah. we we spray we spray painted them black, and then we would put them in these hairpin turns around like uh, near our <laughs> high school. And so Ooh, people would damn. come, people would come around the corners and 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 hit them, and then get out and scream cuss words at us. And the last time I ever did it was um, a Friday night because my sister happened to be the one driving, and she almost oh no. <laughs> and uh, so that was one of the dumber. I almost almost killed my sister, and I'm, I'm ashamed that's of pretty, that. That's pretty rowdy. That ended that's pretty that teenage, real quick. teenager. <laughs> yeah, teenager that, rowdy. That, was a, yeah. that was the last time we did that silliness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's 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 a good one I, both of those were those are some more better answers we've had on that question yeah, that people are willing to else. share on a podcast at least <laughs> yeah. um all right man last rapid fire question for you what trait of yours do you hope that your kids inherit uh determination yeah good answer man yeah. that's a good one to awesome have answer. good one to pass along 
Awesome answer, man. Well, dude, you passed our rapid fire questions with blazing colors. <laughs> thank you. Thank Bravo. you very much. Bravo. Uh, one, on. that's not, one that's one uh, that's not in there, man. What's uh what's uh what's COVID holidays look like for you guys? I mean, we were supposed to have uh, family over for Thanksgiving, um, but we're not going to. Um, we're just going to hang out here at the house with the kids, and um, and then hopefully, you know, come Christmas time, um, we're going to try to you know figure out if there's a way to sort of do some testing so we can have family over and. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, in some ways the, the whole, um, 2020 thing that in this, the, the, the sort of rise in cases we're we're pretty COVID cautious, um, just cause we got a lot of family, a lot of older folks that we spend time with. And so, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're taking it a day at a time, you know, if we, if, if there's a way to get together with folks, we will and hope for good weather. Um, but it looks like at least for, for Thanksgiving, which I'm not sure this may come out after Thanksgiving, but. Um, yeah, we're just going to kind of lay low and, uh, do what the, the experts say for a minute, hopefully get this thing to make a curve. It's crazy that you were just saying that. And I was sitting here thinking we've already had Thanksgiving, but we a hundred percent have not had Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, dude. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's still yet to my, happen. My bad. <laughs> Um, you've, you've already mentally blown up 2020. Yeah, that's it's pretty much where gone. I'm at. Well, Drew Holcomb, man, before we let you go, um, please share with our listeners the best way to support um, you guys, your band and everything kind of as we head through the next yeah. couple months of not knowing what's going on and until you guys get back yeah, out on the sure. road full time. Well, we, as of... Um, as of today, actually, we're, we're about to announce, um, which I, it'd probably be RDP out, but we're, we did a Christmas, we made a Christmas special, uh, that people can oh, watch, cool. you know, they can buy the video or not the video. They can buy the stream of it. Um, that'll be out through the holidays and, uh, you know, um, hopefully we'll be back out on the road, you know, as soon as we get the green light sometime in 2021 and we're on Instagram, you know, Drew Holcomb music, Twitter, our website's drewholcomb.com, Spotify, all those things. So uh, if people want to follow along or listen along, that's that's where to find us. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you guys for providing music for all of us. Uh, it was, has been so yeah. needed throughout all of this and just giving us a little glimpse of some normality of live music. Mike and I are big, big music fans if you haven't caught on. And it's just, uh, it's been a real, that's been a real, you know, glass of lemonade throughout this whole thing, as Mike would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. I, I appreciate that. It's been, been fun for us. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, brother. Thanks too. Thanks for what you do, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Y'all take care. Captain of imagination, teller of tales and Jedi of the heart, man. I, that today's dad definition was so good. It was by far the, easiest episode to come up with an episode title for actually that's not true it was very hard because he gave us a lot of good stuff so much gold (laughs) in that that i'm not saying you're saying that i'm saying but i think i laid down the track and the truth and the reality is there's going to be a song about this pretty soon if (laughs) if if i'm picking up what we're putting down man a a big Thanks to Drew again for joining us on the show. A big thanks to our buddy Scott Stallings for uh, helping to get Drew on the show. Um, that was just a a super enjoyable um, 
conversation all the way around. Indeed. Indeed. And one for the books for our Rickhouse, man. It's fun. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. Guys, thank you for being part of this Wake Dad Drink Repeat community. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And as always, remember to wake, dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Coffee cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Our show music is written and performed by Jordan Burris and produced by Jordan Burris and Asher Smith. We always love hearing from you. Head to wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. Send us guest recommendations or give us your thoughts on the show.